Hey, what's up? Everybody doing good? Man. Is anybody thankful that they came to church today? Man, that was awesome. Man. If that doesn't get you fired up, you need to check your pulse. Something is up. That was awesome. Um, hey, we're going to pray in just a second, but before we get started, if you are here for the very first time, we are so excited to have you here with us today at Summit. And when you walked in today, that connection card that we gave you, just that card that you got hopefully when you walked in, if you would, would you just let us know that you're here? We'd love to connect with you. Um, and if you could just take that card, check on the front that you're a first-time guest on your way out today out there in the lobby to your right. It's our welcome center. we got a free gift for every first-time guest here today. And if you're new here at Summit, uh, maybe you've been coming for a little bit, a couple of weeks, or today's your first day. You say, man, I would love to get plugged in here in this church. I'd love to know uh, how I can get connected in this church. A lot of people ask me every week, I'd love to know how I can become a part of this church. I'll tell you what you can do is right after church today, for about 10 minutes, we have something we do every Sunday called the VIP event. It's right here in this section, right over here. I would love to meet you there. A lot of our staff will be there. We'd just love to meet you if you're new. You want to know how to get connected or whatever, stick around for the VIP. That's right over there, uh, 10 minutes after our service. But tonight at 6, we're having a class called Summit 101. If you want to know the vision of our church, where our church is going, and how you are a part of it, man, come back tonight at 6. Uh, it's going to be uh, in, uh, in the back part of the form. It's going to be a really, really, really big deal. So make plans for that. Hey, let's pray really quick before we dive in this morning, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And Jesus, I pray that you would uh, just speak to us and do whatever you want to do in us, God. I just feel like you've already done a lot in this room. God, it was just so awesome to, to even hear all of the voices lifted up backstage. Uh, God, all of, our, all, all of our hearts just connected to you and just really wanting to know you more. God, I pray that that's why we've come. And God, if it's not, we're just kind of, you know, we just kind of strode in today. Get our attention. Do whatever it takes to get our attention today. And God, I pray that you would speak to us so that, God, on the other side of our few minutes together, uh, we would look back and say, man, God, God did something today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, hey, guys, let, let's start off with a game. Can I start off with a game? I wasn't here last week, so I'm coming back today. I'd love to start off with a game uh, for us. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show uh, some pictures on screen. And if you know who these people are, I want you to yell out who this person is. Okay? So here's the first one. You tell me who is that right there. Can you anybody see? Who is that? So I heard somebody say it. Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, probably one of the greatest storytellers, directors uh, that, that in, in, in the history of cinema. I mean, when you think about movies, man, when I think about movies, and I'm like a massive nerd, I think of Indiana Jones and Steven Spielberg and Jaws and, and all kinds of things. Steven Spielberg just is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. But hey, did you know that Steven Spielberg got rejected to film school twice? Imagine what would have happened if upon that second rejection, he would have said, you know what, this is not going anywhere for me. I, I'm going to do something else. I just, just forget the whole filmmaking thing, right? Here, here's another one. You tell, who's this guy? Who's that guy? That's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, pretty good at basketball, would you agree? Kind of good, okay? I mean, he's one of the, probably the best player in the history of the game. And you all have heard this. Did you know that in high school, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team? Did you know that? Imagine what would have happened if he just said, man, I am never going to play basketball. Forget it. I just, just walked away from the game. I mean, he failed one time, got cut, and said, forget it. I'm done. 
Here, I got one more. Who's this guy? You might know who this is. Who's that? Bill Gates. And when you think about Bill Gates, what do you think about? Maybe you think about Microsoft. Maybe you think about Xbox, you know, Halo, or that kind of thing. You know, he's the guy ultimately behind all of that stuff. But did you know, I mean, richest guy in the world, massive success. Did you know that Microsoft wasn't Bill Gates' first company? Did you know that the first company that Bill Gates started, it was actually a massive failure? Shut down. Doesn't even exist anymore. What if he would have said, you know what? I'm never going to make it as an entrepreneur. I'm never going to make it as a businessman. Just forget it. I'll just do do something else. Imagine that. Have you ever failed at something? I mean, have you ever failed? I've shared this before. I failed my driver's test five times. Okay? Five times. Like, not once, but five. I did that in Knott County over in Hyman. Um, and I think they might have actually a plaque in my honor in the courthouse. Loser! Right? And I filmed my driver's test five times. On a dare in high school, I tried out for my, ba- my high school basketball team because the person who dared me knew I was atrocious at basketball. Like, I was awful at basketball. Listen, if my salvation depended on my basketball abilities, like, hell, here I come. Like, it is over Y'all, like I cannot, like the, we have a life group, Friday uh, Guys Life Group. Well, it's not for guys, it's just for anybody who plays basketball. And they ask me all the time, Mark, why don't you come? Because I'm, <laughs> you don't want to see me come. Like if I came to the guys, li- the, the basketball life group, everybody there, you would switch churches. It is that. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just no good. But, but I did go on to play uh, baseball in high school, but that's only because my high school baseball team didn't cut anybody. They were only looking for people with a pulse. And I had that, so I made the team. Um, but have you ever failed at something, right? Have you, maybe it was a test that you studied for. I, oh my gosh, did this ever happen to you? You really did study for it and you fail it, right? Or, or parents, have you, ever, have you ever had this amazing day planned with your family, this big vacation or this great day that at the, you know, you designed that day so that your family can bond and become closer and then on the way there you get a flat tire, Right? And then all the way through the rest of the day, the kids are fighting and punching each other, and there's blood everywhere. And, and, it's just, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is awful. I failed. Right? Or maybe, maybe it's not that you failed at something. Maybe when you just look at you, you just think, I'm a failure. I'm a failure as a mom. I'm a failure as a dad. I'm a failure as a student. I'm a failure as an employee. I'm a failure as a boss. Some of you think this all the time. I fail God constantly. Have you ever failed anything? See, here's what failure will tell you all the time. Failure only, failure's really a one-hit wonder. It just has one song, it's on repeat all the time. And failure's song says, it's over. Like those are the verses and the chorus and the bridge of failure's song. It's over. So, so the dream dies, it's over. The business you started shuts down, it's over. You try to follow Jesus for a little bit and you keep messing up, it's over. You blow it, right? You do something that you swore that you swore to you, swore to God that you would never do, and then you did it. Failure says what? It's over. It's over. Fa- failure will tell us all the time that it's over. And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about something called strongholds. And the reason we're talking about failure the last day of this series is because failure is a stronghold. Now maybe this is your first day here since we've been in this series that we started on Easter and you're hearing that and you're thinking stronghold. What does that mean? What we've said in this series is that a stronghold is an epicenter of unbelief in your mind. It's, it's a way that you think 
that holds you back. And so we've talked about all kinds of strongholds. We talked about, well, last week Stephen talked about fear. And didn't Stephen do an amazing job last week? Man, that was awesome. And, 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 and ser- seriously, uh, seriously, we, 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 we've been talking about this series for like at the end of last year. And, and I've had Stephen come since last year. Uh, but even if I would have not been out of town, I knew that Stephen was the guy that needed to preach last week's sermon just because of what God's been doing in his life with that issue of fear. And if you haven't thanked him for that last week, man, you should do it. I've just had so many people talk about that. But we've talked about how to break free of those strongholds, how to break free of those labels. And here's a verse that we've used all the time here is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5. It says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And, and, and I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about, you know, this is the last week of this series. We're closing it out this week. And can I just say something to, to our church? I feel like I need to say this so that, like, we don't end this series and then you just walk away from this idea. Here's what I've been trying to tell you, tell you for the past four weeks. This is how faith works. That's what this whole series has been about. This is how faith works. See, a lot of times we think that faith is goosebumps and your hair on your arm stands up on end and you get a peaceful, easy feeling. Right? And we think, oh, that's how faith works. Listen, faith is like that 10% of the time. The other 90%, it's exactly what God said. Faith is believing in what you cannot see, feel, touch, or believe. That's what faith is. So faith is always, listen to me, someone, I need you to get this. Faith is always replacing lies in our minds with God's truth. I will believe what God says, not what I think, what I feel. I will trust God's Word over what I see in the moment. So listen, this series is ending today, but we are just starting something. You need to know this is how faith works. I'm going to replace lies with God's truth, and failure will lie to you. Because failure will tell you it is over. But see, if I can give you one idea before we jump into our passage today, if I can just give you one idea that I want you to leave here in just a minute, walk away with, here's the idea, here's the big idea for the morning. It's this, it's that failure doesn't mean what we think it means. Failure doesn't mean what we think it means. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible to John chapter 21. John 21 is where we're going to be in just a moment. John 21, and the verses should be up on the screen here in just a minute, but if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. So if it's on your phone, go ahead and uh, you can scroll to John 21. And hey, listen, if you don't have a Bible at all, we have free Bibles in the back. We'd love to just have you take it on your way out today. You don't have to ask anybody for it. Just steal a Bible at church today. That'd be awesome to tell people about, wouldn't it? Right? So John 21 is where we're going to be at here in just a minute. But I need to give us some backstory on John 21 so that we're all tracking with it. But Jesus, in his earthly ministry, which is basically three years of his life, Jesus has been preparing the disciples for the fact that he is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die, and he's going to come back from the dead. The problem is that they didn't believe him the whole time. They were hearing it, but it wasn't registering at a deeper level. So they were hearing it, and, and, and at one point, right before Jesus is arrested, Jesus says this, listen, I need you to know, he's talking to the 12 disciples, his 12 posse, the original guys that followed him, 12 guys, talking to him, and he says, listen, I need you to know something. We are on our way to Jerusalem. When we go to Jerusalem, I am going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to come back from the dead, and then Jesus throws in this caveat. He says, 
and you are all about to deny me. Think about how awkward that moment was right there. It's Jesus and 12 guys. These 12 guys have left everything to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, here's how this is going to roll. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to kill me. I'm going to come back from the dead. All y'all losers are going to abandon me. And then here's what happened. I love Peter. If you don't know anything about the Bible and the 12 disciples, man, I can just really relate to Peter because Peter shoots first and then he aims. You know what I'm saying? And so like Peter just says stuff. He just does stuff. He's, he's like a wild man. And Peter says, listen, Jesus, I am never going to deny you, bro. I am ne- Jesus, listen, it's me and you. What up? You know, Jesus, I'm never walking away. I'm with you. I'm never going to deny you. I don't know what these other slackers are going to do, but Jesus, it is me and you. We're tight. Tight. Jesus says, it's funny you should say that because you're going to deny me before all of the other ones do. In fact, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. On three different occasions, Peter, tonight, people are going to come up to you and ask, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Hey, weren't you one of the guys with Jesus? And you are going to say, no. So you're about to do it in just a little bit. Again, awkward situation, right? Peter's like, okie dokie, whatever, man. And then you know what happens? Exactly what Jesus says. Jesus is arrested, and all of those guys walk away. All of those guys deny him. Peter denies three times that he even knows Jesus. And so then Jesus dies. Now think about how you're feeling at that moment if you're one of the 12 disciples. Right? You all just abandoned Jesus Christ. And he just was slaughtered for you. Don't you feel kind of bad? You you probably feel like, oh man, we've messed up. We've let God down. Listen, I bet he is ticked off. Oh my gosh, what have we done? Here's what failure was saying to Peter and all of the disciples. It's over. It's over. It's over in every way. You left your family to follow him, he's dead. And even if he does come back to life, which he talked about and probably won't happen, but even if he does, he's probably so ticked off, he's going to take all of you losers out because you abandoned him. You, it's over. But thankfully, Jesus comes back from the dead. And how many people know that a lot of times Jesus doesn't act the way that we think Jesus should act? Because they're thinking Jesus is going to come back to take them all out. But here's what Jesus says. I think we have it up on the screen here a minute ago. In John chapter 20, verse 17, before we get into John 21. Again, we're just trying to set the stage here for John 21. There's women at Jesus' tomb mourning. Women are the first people to see Jesus come back from the dead. Jesus begins to speak to one of the women. And he says this in verse 17 of John. He says, and say to the brothers, say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. See, I love that because Jesus doesn't tell her, hey, would you say to all the guys that walked away from me, I'm ascending to my God. I don't even know if you got one. I'm, I'm going back to my father. I don't even know if you've got a father, but I'm going back to mine. And when I tell my dad what you did to me, oh my God. It's on. No, no, no. He says, listen, would you tell, and did you see what he called him? Would you tell the brothers? Would you tell the brothers that very soon I am going back to my God and to your God. To my Father, watch this, and to your Father. See, because failure doesn't mean what we think it means. Jesus wants, the, Jesus wants these women to go ahead and say, hey, I know those guys think it's over. I know that they're thinking failure means it's over. But would you let them know failure doesn't mean what they think it means? 
Would you tell them that my God is their God and my Father is their Father? See, somebody in the room, we failed at one time. And if we haven't failed yet, give it five minutes and we will. And what happens is when we fail, when we hit that wall, we think it's over, God's done with me, God doesn't want anything to do with me. But failure doesn't mean what we think it means. In fact, we need to see three things about failure this morning from John 21. So I want to read all the way through John 21 here, these verses, starting in verse 1. And we're going to read down quite a bit of verses here, all the way to verse 19. It's going to be on the screen. Watch this. So after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, watch this, watch this, watch this, because failure says what? It's over. Peter says, I'm going fishing. See, what you don't know is Peter used to be a professional fisherman, then he, went, then he met Jesus, walked away from all of that. Peter says, it's over, guys, let's just go back to what we used to do. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, and I think Jesus is kind of rubbing it in here, all right? He is letting them have a little something here. Children, do you have any fish? Did you guys catch anything? <laughs> they answered him, no. He said, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that is John, the author of this book that we're reading, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Watch this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. Whoa, hold on. Whoa, whoa. So Peter is buck naked fishing. What? What? Like there's this little detail in the Bible there that makes me pause. Whoa, he's fishing butt naked? Like listen, I'm not a big avid fisherman, but if I go fishing with somebody and they're like, all right, we got the rod, we, the reel, we got the tackle box, wait a second. No, right? And they fished all night this way. Can you imagine the other disciples? Dude, just get away from Peter. He is naked. Like cover that up, bro. Right? And I love, I, love, I love that he hears it's Jesus, and he stands up naked. It's Jesus. Let's run. He just jumps out of the boat, right? Peter jumps out of the boat. Watch this, verse 8. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from land. Thanks, Peter. Thanks. Put some underwear on. Verse 9, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Jesus is grilling out. It's awesome. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 fish they caught in one night. Tweet that, y'all. And although there were so many, the net was torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread, gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was the third time Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now watch this. This is crucial. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. 
He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because, because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know, that ev- you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. See, three things that failure doesn't mean today, because failure doesn't mean what we think it means. Three things we need to see that failure doesn't mean. The first thing is that failure doesn't mean it's over. Failure doesn't mean it's over. How many of you know somebody that as soon as they feel bad at all, they're convinced they're dying? Would you raise your hand for, those per- for that person right now? Right? How many of you know somebody that, like, no matter what the situation is, they take it to the worst extreme possible? My toe hurts. The internet says, saw it off. Give me a saw. <laughs> right? Do you know these people? I know these people because I am one. Right? And my wife, my, you, you need to pray for my wife. You need to pray for Elena, my wife, because she knows that I'm one of these people, and she's like, oh, gosh, you're not dying. I hear that all the time because I'm kind of a drama queen. It's a spiritual gift. Spiritual gift. Look it up. I'm sure it's in the Greek New Testament. And, uh, like, I do, I do this with everything. I don't do this with health. I do this with everything. When we had to cancel church for snow a couple of weeks ago, here's what I thought. Oh, gosh, it's over. Nobody's coming back. We canceled church. <laughs> I just sat off Sunday morning and almost cried. My wife said, I hate when you do this. Oh, gosh. Right? Because that's what failure will say to you. Failure will say to you, it's over. You lose one job, failure says this. You can't keep a job. Well, I just lost one. You can't keep a job. You mess one thing up, failure will say you mess everything up. Something doesn't go right, failure says nothing in your life goes right. But see, see, here is Jesus, and when these guys failed, what does Jesus do? Jesus pursues them. He knows exactly where they are. He goes and he cooks breakfast. He's grilling out for these guys. He's pursuing them. In fact, Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 is not on the screen, but when Mark 16 translates John 20, 17 that we read a minute ago, Mark translates it this way. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because Jesus knows that Peter is thinking it's over, and Jesus needs Peter to know it ain't over. It ain't over. There is grace, and there is love, and there is mercy. You make sure you tell the disciples, but man, don't you miss Peter, because he's got to know it. See, this is the resurrected Jesus summit, and the resurrected Jesus specializes in bringing things that looked dead back to life, and failure will tell you it's dead, but failure doesn't mean what do we think it means. So when the dream dies and the business dies, and when you said you do, when you, when you do what you said you would never do, And failure says, it's over. You need to know, it's not over. Because this is the resurrected Jesus who always brings what looks dead back to life. Failure never means it's over. But the second thing that we need to see is failure doesn't mean that's who you are. Failure failure doesn't mean that's who you are. How many of you have ever looked at yourself and said, I'm a failure? Raise your hand. My hand's up right now. I'm a failure. Here's what somebody, here's what somebody, the marriage didn't work out. Man, you tried to save that marriage and it didn't work. And now you say this, I'm a failure. 
You, you, you poured yourself into this goal, and then all of a sudden it didn't work out, and you said, I'm a failure. And now every time you look at you, you can't see past the label of, I am a failure. God's never going to use me. God can do things with other people, but not me, because I am a failure. But did you notice that three times Pete, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Did you see that? Why does Jesus do that? Why does Jesus ask Peter three times, do you love me? He actually says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Bible scholars are divided over what the these are. The, the, the Bible scholars are divided over, does the these mean the disciples? Does Peter love Jesus more than the other disciples? Like if we could rank them, Peter's number one. Or does the these mean fishing? Peter, do you love me more than your job that can provide you financial security and status? Do you love me more than these? Really, to be honest, nobody knows what the these means. But here's what everybody knows what Jesus is doing. Jesus is driving home to Peter. Peter, you need to know you have work to do. There is no time to sit and sulk and let this failure define you. It is time to move on. It is time to move on, Peter, because I love you and I've come to forgive you. It is time to move on. See, some of us, we just have failure on repeat in our mind, and we've said this, it's over, I can't do anything else. I, I, can't, I can't move on, I can't move forward, and you feel condemned by God, you feel condemned by the world. And the problem is that we need to know the difference between conviction and condemnation. See, we need to know the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is just like running headfirst into a brick wall. You ain't going past that. You're, you're not going past that at all. And so condemnation says, oh, you slept around, you're too dirty. It's over. Condemnation says, you had the abortion, God can't use you. Condemnation says, oh, you did that, oh, you thought that, oh, you said that. Even though no one's around, God was around, it's over for you. And listen, I want to say to you today that if that's you, you've got this condemnation track on repeat in your mind. I want you to know today that God doesn't deal in condemnation. God doesn't deal in condemnation. You might be condemning yourself. The devil might be and other people might be, but God doesn't condemn you if you're in Christ. How do I know that? Because look at this verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, that therefore anyone who's in Christ, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. None. Why? Jesus was condemned so we wouldn't have to be. Jesus was condemned. So you and I wouldn't have to be. Condemnation says, hey, you're, listen, you can't move past this. Conviction is always moving past that. Because conviction is God shining his Holy Spirit, God shining the spotlight on your sin and saying, hey, listen, if you confess that, you confess that, there is forgiveness from that, and you can move on. Listen, there's a lot of people in this room today, and I don't know your situation, but I want to tell you today, in Jesus' name, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. I know it's hard, and I don't know what they did, and I don't know what happened, but in Jesus, there is enough grace, mercy, and strength from him, not in us, but from him, to move on. To move on. There is. There is. Failure doesn't mean that's who you are. You might, listen, you might have failed, but you're not a failure. Doesn't mean that's who you are. And number three, last thing, and we're done. Failure doesn't mean God gives up on us. Failure does not mean that God gives up on us. See, I love that this is Peter at the end of the day. This is Peter. This is Jesus denying Peter. 
This is questioning God, Peter. This is a guy who doesn't have it all together. And so Peter is the guy. The next book of the Bible is the book of Acts. And you read the opening chapters of the book of Acts. Peter is the guy that Jesus uses to preach the first sermon of Christianity. Over 3,000 people get saved. Peter is the guy that Jesus uses to start the church, to start Christianity as a worldwide movement. And thousands of years later, here we sit in Hazard, Kentucky, not because God used a failure, but God did use somebody that failed. And God used somebody that messed up. And can I just tell you, that's the best news this morning. That is the best. Listen, I won't even talk about you guys. I'll talk about me. That's the best news for me because I am going to fail. And I'm going to let people down. And I don't want to let anybody down, but I'm going to let people down. And I thank God that when we fail, God doesn't look at us and say, it's over. It's over. Mark, you can't do this right. You can't get your act together. You are always dropping the ball. You can't follow through a lot of time on promises. No, I'm thankful that God gives us Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. That'll come up on the screen if we can bring it up. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says that God will finish what he started in us. That when we fail, God's going to finish what we started in us. Oh, well, God, I made, a wrong dire- I made a wrong decision. Yeah, but watch how I get you back on the right track. God, I blew it. Yeah, but watch how I can make all things new in your life. God, this didn't work out. Yeah, but you need to know that I'm working all things for good in your life. God will finish what he started. That means, failure isn't, that means failure doesn't mean it's over. That means failure isn't who I am. And that means failure doesn't mean that God gives up on you. When I put this sermon together several weeks ago, I was thinking, because I like, to do, I like to do something every once in a while, just to drive this home for you, you know, so that you can walk away and remember it. You know what I'm saying? And I was thinking, I spent all afternoon thinking one day, and I was like, God, what do you, you want me to do? How can we close out today so that people can see it, so that people can put this sermon in their hands and remember it? God, what can we do? And then I remember Jesus already gave us that answer. Because see, the night before Jesus was killed, he got the 12 disciples into an upper room. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this for a second. Imagine in your head, just for a moment, Jesus in a room with those 12 disciples. And he knows that tomorrow he's going to be killed. But do you know what else he knows? He knows that in just a few moments, all of these guys are going to walk away from him. He knows that in just a few moments, all 12 of the men in this room with Jesus Christ are going to deny that they ever met him. And do you know what he does next? He grabs a piece of bread. And he takes that piece of bread and he breaks it. And he gives that bread out to all of those men. And he says, guys, listen, I need you to eat this bread And I want you to know that my body is going to be broken for you. Broken for your failure. And so the Lord's Supper, hey, you know what? Jesus is not for perfect people. Because Jesus used somebody that failed to start the church. Not a failure, but somebody that did fail. The church is for failures. Amen? The church is for broken people. The church is for messy people. So the Lord's Supper that we're about to take, Jesus himself is not for perfect people. 
So if you're here, and hey, listen, if you're here today, you're not a Christian, you're on the spiritual journey, or maybe you're somebody that thinks, you know what, you know what, Christianity is a crutch for the weak. I want to say amen. You're exactly right. It is. It is for people who are broken, do not have it all together, and need a Savior. And if that fits you today, Jesus says come. And so Jesus took this bread and he said, guys, listen, take this bread and eat it. It's my body broken for you. Broken for every mom and for every dad and for every student. For every person in this room right now who has failed. His body was broken so that in him we can be made whole. So right now, if you just take the Lord's Supper elements that we gave you when you walked in, if you peel off that top layer... This wafer symbolizes the body of Jesus. And right now, we eat this and we declare by faith that failure does not mean that it's over, but that in Christ, all things can be made new, including our failures. Amen? Amen. Let's eat. And then Jesus knew that every one of those guys would fail. And he took a glass of wine. He said, here, just drink this. Because when you drink this, I need you to remember that this is my blood. This symbolizes my blood poured out for you. For every time that you fail, and for every time you will fail, that you can always come back. That there is always forgiveness. That no matter what failure or any label that you have, the label doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. So if you peel back that second layer, now we drink by faith. We drink by faith that in Jesus Christ, because of his blood, we are cleansed today. Let's drink. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? Let's all stand to our feet. Nobody... Let's try to stay as still as possible. You might have an appointment right now, but I promise it can can wait. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes, everyone everyone of us in the room. Jesus, I thank you that you died for failures, that you died for people who have let others down, who have dropped the ball, who have blown it, who've went too far. And God, I pray for the person in the room right now. Maybe that's what's holding them back. Maybe that's the label. Some sin in their life that Jesus, they said they'd never do that. They, they, they would never let that happen in their relationship with you. And then it did. And Jesus, today, if they confess that, there's forgiveness and they can move on. And Jesus, I pray for the person that's here today. Maybe failure isn't the label, but whatever the label is, whatever the stronghold in our mind is, whether we've talked about it in this series or not, like we sang before the sermon, Jesus, in you there is power to break every chain, to break every chain of addiction and the lies from the devil and lies of other people and lies to ourselves. There's power to break every chain. And so, God, right now I pray that you would give us strength to take a step to break those chains, to take a step towards freedom today. 
God, I pray for people who are here and they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. I pray, Jesus, they would break free of that label, anything that's holding them back. And today would be the day when they begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. With every single head bowed, with every single eyes clo- eye closed, I just want to ask you one question. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's something we talked about in this series or something we didn't even talk about. But God's used these past four weeks in your life to say, you know what, there's a label and I want freedom from this label. I want freedom from this label. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? I want freedom from this thing in my life. Hands are going up here, here. What else? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. Raise it. There. There's more. There's more. Where else? All over the back, there are hands going up. All over this side right here. All over the side to my right, there are hands. All over here to the left, there are people who are saying, I, Jesus has shown me a label that I want to break free from. I want freedom from this area in my life and in this area. Here's what I want to do today. Today, I just want to pray for you. I, I'm going to challenge you in just a second. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, if you raised your hand or you didn't, I would love for you to make your way out of your aisle, come up front here, and I want to pray for you about that. And listen, listen. Do I believe that coming up front for five seconds can break a struggle that you've had for 20 years? No. But I tell you what, listen, listen, listen to me. It might not end here today, but something can start here today. Amen? Does anybody believe that? It can start here today. It might not end, but it can start right now. So I'm going to count to three, and whether you raised your hand or not, listen, I would love to meet you up front. I just want to pray for you real quick that today you would receive freedom from that label, from that thing, whatever it is. But let's pray and let's ask God for freedom. Let's take a step today. One, two, three. You raise your hand, you make your way forward right now. If you need to come, you come. Make this an altar. You pray. Let's let's move today. Let's let God work in and through our church today here.
just pray one more time, really quick. With every head bowed, every eye closed. God's at work. People coming up front with some really strong, powerful things. God, I, God, I pray that you would continue to have your way in these moments. God, I, I believe that there's, there might be people here today and they do not have a relationship with you. If they died today, they do not know what would happen to them. Jesus, I pray that right now would be a time where people would reach out and receive you for the very first time and begin a relationship with you. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, listen to me, if you are here today and you are not a Christian, or you're saying, I don't know if I'm saved, Mark, if I died today, I don't know if I would go to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, or I, listen, I know this is heavy, I don't know about hell, I, Jesus, I just don't know. Mark, I want to know. Mark, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. If you are here today and you want to be saved, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I invite you to pray this prayer right there where you stand. These are not magic words, but they're just meant to verbalize what's going on in your life today. So if you're here and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, pray this prayer with me where you're standing. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I surrender to you everything today. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you came back from the dead for me. Thank you that you can give me freedom in every area. Jesus, beginning today, help me to live for you with all that I am. In your name. No one is looking around, but did you just pray that prayer? Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to celebrate with you because you just made the biggest decision of your life. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to count to three again. And if you today are giving your life to Jesus, you want to be saved today, as soon as I say three, raise your hand high up in the air so that I can pray for you this morning. One, two, three, raise your hand right now. If today you want to give your life to Jesus Christ and be saved in this moment, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand high. Here's the hand right here up front. Any other hands? Raise your hand. Let me see it so I can pray for you. Listen, if you raised your hands this morning to give your life to Jesus, would you look at me just for a moment? I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but would you look at me? Here's what I want you to do. We've got, here's what I want to get. I'm going to walk over here and grab it. If today you are giving your life to Jesus Christ, we would love to give you a free Bible. And really this book, it's called Seek First, just to help you with the new relationship that you started today with Jesus. But listen to me. If today... You got saved. You just made the biggest decision of your life, and we are fired up. Summit, let's give it up for people who raised their hand this morning because that's awesome. Now listen, but if you did that, if you did that, don't go home and not tell anybody. See, the connection card that we gave you when you walked in, there's a box on the back that says, I gave my life to Christ. Check that box before you leave. And right here in just a minute, there's going to be volunteers all over. You can drop your card in that basket or you can get one of these. I've got them. We've got them up here. We've got them all over the back. But listen, don't leave till you tell somebody what God did in your life. Because if God's done something, man, there's nothing better than that in your life. There's nothing better than Jesus moving in your midst. Hey, Summit, listen, I told you that if we would just be available and say, God, speak to me and do something in me, I told you we'd see God move. We've seen God do great things today, haven't we? Listen, listen. And can I... Can I just say that I love this church? Can I just say that? Man, I love you guys. Um, I would come here if I wasn't the pastor. 
Like, I, I love this church. I love that we get to see people saved every week. I love that we get to see people baptized every week. I love to see people praying with each other and bringing their friends. Isn't that what it's all about? Man, isn't that what it's all about? Man, it, I just think it's an amazing thing that we get to see God move in our midst the way that we see every week. So let's not take it for granted. And hey, listen, if you're new here, uh, you, I, w- I would love to meet you. If I've never met you, let's meet right here today up front, just for about 10 minutes at the VIP event. Love for you to come back tonight at Summit 101. But make sure if you're a first-time guest, hey, hit the welcome table on your way out. But let's tell somebody what God did in your life today. All right, guys? Love you. Next week we start a new series. It's going to be awesome. Come back. See you there. Victor